0: To the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for January 8th 2024 featuring poet Carl Michael Iglesias, leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic I am your host and MC once again Jason Koo The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at our space at 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights For more information about the Yop and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Jennifer Rumberger, Tamisha Galbraith, Elizabeth Moylan, Rachel Sachs, Sienna Wills, Benji Taubenblatt, Kiara Delalo, Ellie Bell, Michael Fersentis, Hunter Hodkinson, Madeline Phillips, Jim Stewart, Stephanie McLean, Jess Gagne, Taylor Molly, Kayla Schwab, Michelle George, or Rachel George, Michelle Smoller, and Jasmine Pyrrhic. Okay, that's all I got. I'm sure you're excited to listen to these poets. The Broken Poets Open Mic for January 8th, 2024, our first of the new year. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're going to get started again. hope you enjoyed your break. Welcome back for the open mic segment of the Broken Poets Up. Segment is not one of my favorite words. Uh, I wish there was a better word. I was going to say open mic hour, but it usually goes longer than an hour. I uh, hope you've been enjoying the wine in the back. That's wine left over from our gala, so it's like the really good shit that we have tonight. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Um, we are back for the open mic. Uh, a few uh, announcements about the open mic. If you haven't been here before, or even if you have, it's sometimes good. <laughs> I've learned as a teacher over the last... 20 I've been teaching a long fucking time, man. 25 years. It's crazy, man. A quarter century of my life I've been teaching. First year writing... <laughs> If you've ever taught first year writing, give it up for yourselves if you've ever taught first year writing before. Is that it? Nobody else. That was like that was like Darius. Nobody nobody else in here has ever taught first year writing? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that counts. If you give it up for yourselves if you've taught writing at all to like ungrateful children. That's probably a lot more of you. <laughs> oh my god, it's like years off your life. Like a quarter century will feel like uh uh, five centuries. In any case, I don't even know why I brought that up. Why did I bring that up? I can't even remember. In any case, oh, I was going to say, like, you can never repeat things enough times, because people will just forget, um, or just not be listening at all. In any case, here are some announcements about the open mic. Every month, we record the open mic as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. We, I was just talking to somebody about their brother's podcast. Uh, And he was like, at the end of the conversation, he was like, oh, we'd love it if you'd subscribe. And that's like literally what I'm about to say to you. We'd love it if you'd subscribe (laughs) to the Yopcast on iTunes and rate us five stars. It helps more poets find these amazing poets. Uh, That is called the Yopcast. If you are reading tonight, you will be on the podcast. If you really don't want to be on the podcast, you can tell me afterwards and we will painstakingly edit you out. (laughs) That's my encouragement not to edit yourself. Uh, we had our Poem of the Month, Poem of the Year winner last year. If you remember, if you attended the Words Gallery of the Poem of the Year Contest, uh, S.E. Zalalem. she did not want to be on the podcast. She I told me, she was like, I don't want to be on the podcast. So I was like, what if you win? And then she won Poem of the Month. I was like, are you sure you don't want to be on the podcast? <laughs> then she changed her mind. And I'm like, I'm glad you changed your mind. Uh, in any case, you might win Poem of the Month. So uh, don't be so ready to be like, edit me out, man. In any case, you can if you want, but I encourage you not to. Also, as you probably guessed, if you haven't been here before, we vote for a poem of the month at every YOP. YOP poem of the month. The number to vote is on the back. If you are in the back on the chalkboard, if you are not in the back, which is most of you, the number to vote is seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Don't worry, I will repeat that many times. Seven one eight. Three seven four one nine, five, three. That is also the Brooklyn Poets phone number. So if you're like panicking in the middle and you're like, what was the fucking phone number? Just Google Brooklyn Poets. You will see the number <laughs> on Google. 718-374-1953. We ask that you wait until the end of the open mic. Vote for the poet. Just tell me the poet's, tell us the poet, tell us, not me, tell us the poet's name first name usually suffices if you can remember the last name. You might not know how to spell it, just try your best. We've never had trouble figuring, maybe like once ever, we're like, who did this person (laughs) vote for? But usually it's pretty obvious who you're voting for. In any case, uh, we will go over the names at the end of the night, 718-374-1953. Every month, the audience votes on the winner of Yacht Poem of the Month. That person wins a tote bag. There are not many tote bags left. In fact, there used to be a black one. Those are sold out. There is that cream one over there. That might be the last one. Who knows? But we will order more, you will win a tote bag, and more importantly, you will win a spot in our Poem of the Year contest. That happens the first weekend of December, uh, and that is for big money, $500 cash prize. And the winner of that contest gets to read at our awards gallop and have all the good wine, which I just mentioned. (laughs) 718-374-1953, vote once for the poet. Don't tell people that are not here to vote. It is really obvious when that happens. (laughs) You might not think it's obvious, but it is obvious. We get, like, ten votes for the same person in, like, two seconds. Um, I think that is it. Am I forgetting it? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, if you're reading tonight, you get one poem with three minutes max. Please keep to your time. Every now and then, people go over. It's fine. You know, it's mostly fine. (laughs) (laughs) If like if the poem is amazing, you're reading for, like, five minutes, I'm like, okay, this is amazing, even though they're going over Uh, But if it's like going on like a really long time, we've never had to do this yet, but we might just like physically pull you off stage. That would be super embarrassing for everyone, so just don't push it. (laughs) One poem, three minutes max, uh, and it helps more poets get up here because we have a wait list seven poets long. We'll see if we get to, we at least get to like two or three of those people. Okay, before we get to the open mic, one more time for Carl Michael Iglesias.
1: It was like a little, how uh, you say, a clipboard up here? Is it not, I, is there not a
0: round?
2: Yeah,
1: Surprise! Okay, uh, the right, hold on, let me get my shit right. How's everybody doing, we all right? Thank you all for coming back and for staying, if you're here, staying, um, from the the open mic. I mean, the the previous open mic that we had in our little workshop. Um, I'm going to read two poems. They're slightly shorter. Uh, that's so we can open as much at the end of the open mic, so we can get people, as many people as we want. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things for you, for those who have just come, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of things going on here at Brooklyn Poets with me, involved. Come to one of them, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Uh, and it's all very special to me, and this book is, you know, my first chat book, and it's, thank you. And it turns three next month, and I'll probably be having some sort of celebration for that, but um, it's a labor of love, and it is literally something that came from a very hopeless time of of not knowing um, what to do in this world of protests and social media and things, feeling like you just can't make a difference, and uh, I, I wrote this uh, wrote this book in a sense of research and 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 digging into different forms of journalism that were coming out at the time, reinventing them as poems, uh, taking lyrics and 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 finding ways that they express myself as well, um, and it was a very special creation, so it's something deep in my heart, but I'll read a, I'm read gonna read uh, one poem from here and then a one brand new poem, and I'll get to that in a little bit, yeah? <laughs> Okie okay, dokie. Okay. This poem is called Half of the Parrots Disappeared. Near the south's end of the viaduct, the tropical forest, I stand with the pummeled mountain of two dozen kids from the neighborhood. A couple of turquoise-tipped wings. Sunshine from crashing. Passion fruit without canopy. I want laws that shake hands. I am of the shaken. The ones who recover through gardening. Camouflage. A fledging coalition of churches headquartered at the end. I go in more. Resistant to hurricanes, and I only face hurricanes. Topple the nest after I break through the shell. My vital recovery for the species. We handful the dirt. Get another flock reintroduced wild. I boycotted grapes up when the march cut through 6th Street. Now return with Southside English, because you can't turn the D's, those, and that off, or not want to send all the money you make back to your family. Awesome. And this poem, this next poem, this brand new poem, is actually from my next chapbook, book, which comes out in November, and it's called The Bounce. Um, nobody knows that but y'all, which is pretty cool, <laughs> secret, so don't tell anybody quite yet. Um, Uh, It's called The Bounce, and it's much more personal. This book, book, Catch a Glow, is much more about a a, a specific moment in time and a little bit of a resistance to what was happening in the Trump era with Puerto Rico and Hurricane Maria. And this uh, new book of poems is all about my family and and growing up a knucklehead and and, um, learning how to be a better man uh, as I grew up and uh, learning how to forget certain things and learning how to learn new things. So it's a little bit about that, and The Bounce is kind of like that experience. Um, This poem is actually a response to the first poem you just read. It was part of a prompt, it was like take a poem that you have written in the past and and write a part two basically, a response to it a little bit. So this poem is only a couple months old, uh, but it does respond to this. It's called Half of the Parrots Recovered. The block is pecking through the early motions. Showing up was half of the struggle and the struggle was a beach worth of sand. Recovery is a spiritual process that could fill a Brooklyn tree with parrots, more of a ritual than a protest. The parrots flew in on a journal entry, and boy are their wings tired of thinking they can make a difference. The coffee seems to be a part of this revolution, too, and the summer sidewalk has begun to crawl. The trees we got last year have become neighbor-kin and have dressed up in migrating quill. Outside my window are thousands of childhood days that follow me in technicolor plumage. They have filled the trees like sap. These days I collect and repeat as folklore. Every branch is reaching out to affirm the self. And who am I to deny who I am? Every branch is filled with potential flight and a history of beaks that intend on laying low until viejito, that repeat name, after name, after name, after name, after name, after name, after name, name, saying a prayer for a boy who died in a protest in Milwaukee for the right to righteousness. Another says a joke about imposter syndrome. One repeated it unknowing of its place of origin. Another repeated it, and the truth made it burst angels like a pillow fight. One is repairing their Spanish, as they speak. Thank you, you all.
0: All right. The amazing Carl Michael Glaces, one more time. Give it up. <laughs> I feel like I've been adjusting this mic stand all night. It's, I feel like it's a war I'm gonna lose. But, (laughs) Um, all right, we are on to our open mic list. Very excited, it's a new year. Uh, Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say, very excited. Our first poet tonight is Jennifer Rumberger. Give it up for Jennifer. Hello, it's
3: about my third time. Here. Um, super excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so, this is a new messy one. Um, it's called United, 396 to Chicago. The bodega's aluminum door cracks the night through the open window, official call of a Manhattan dawn. I leave you sleeping. Cold breath on the Lexington sidewalk, earbuds in, kind of blue. It helps the city sing to me. I don't want you to leave. Yellow windows with sleepy pastry clerks. A guy picks his nose in the Starbucks line. White clouds eject from winter pavement. Dogs in the park with no owners, like they, too, are alone. Most days I text you, but this week you're here, making me dinner with spinach. My old friend Alexis sends me jobs in the Midwest. I could walk among the brutalist buildings and sit under the fluorescence there, too. And you would be home, and I would, we would be home, but what would that say for adventure? My steps take me toward Pink Light, another office in another town. I'm still trying, I guess. My heart still beats for the unknown, but I miss your sandwiches. <laughs> The office break room has free ramen noodles. I'll die a slow American death. (laughs) Choke on carbohydrates made in a machine somewhere I'll never look up. Do this until tomorrow, until maybe the day after, until the time comes to grow up, to go back, or stay. Or we could stay. And somewhere, maybe somewhere, we'll be home. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you, Jennifer. What a great start to our new year. Um, sound like <laughs> you can see. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop touching this thing. Uh, they'll sound like amazing sandwiches, whatever they were. But also, ra- free ramen in the break room sounds great too. Uh, yeah, let's not let's not hate on our privileges. <laughs> our second poet of the evening is Tamisha Galbraith. Give it up t- for Tamisha.
4: Hi everyone. So this is my first time. Um, I'm sorry I was here before. But, um, so co- so to continue the topic of love, I wrote. Um, it's so um, ironic because I wrote a poem um, about last year, and it's called love. Okay, here goes something. Okay, love. It is an action. It can leave you feeling fulfilled. You need to feel some type of satisfaction. The bond should leave you feeling thrilled. Hopefully it does not cause you any distraction. Love, it first starts with you, so no need to pick and choose. No need to pursue. That special person will have you feeling amused. Love, makes me smile on the inside with each corner of my mouth spread wide, hoping it does not die. And if it does, I walk away because I have so much pride. Love, it's such a beautiful thing. No need for a summer fling, but you can't be afraid to spread your wings. love. It's like a beautiful song that makes you want to sing. Love is something everyone should experience, but it first starts with you. Love, it is an unbreakable bond that leaves me feeling empty once ended. And I will not bend the rules. Let's not pretend. We are blinded by all the sweet little gestures. We miss the big picture, love. Love is an action. Love is patient. Love is kindness. Love is making sacrifice, but no matter what, Love comes from within. Always remember to love yourself first.
0: Okay, thank you, Tamisha. I like a love poem. Um, Has anyone seen that new series with Idris Elba called Hijack? Has anyone watched that? It's on Apple TV. Yeah? One person. Did you love it? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever watch that show 24 with uh, Jack Bauer? That's what it was like, just like a seven-part series, but I thought it was fucking amazing. But I was—I just, just mentioned this because, you know, you when you have kids, you realize how much you love your kids when you see, like, parents with kids in, like, a mortal situation. <laughs> There's, like, these two parents who are, like, bickering the whole f- film and then, like, the plane is about to go down and they're, like, trying to, like, Talk to their kids as if nothing bad is happening, and I I just started like sobbing. I was like, I was like, wow, I'm a new man. (laughs) That would never have happened before. Uh, Our third poet of the evening is Elizabeth Moylan. Give it up for Elizabeth. Hey,
5: everybody. Sorry to keep adjusting. All right, here goes nothing. The Eternal Female. The following exhibition demonstrates the weakness of the female mind. For too long, the female has driven man to despair, to folly, to softness. No more, their elimination from the social order should be complete within the next decade on the main world, within the next two in the outer colonies. Bio-perfect replicants shall replace them. They are truly a feat that enshrines the glory of the male technological mind. The replicants are programmed only to live four years, to prevent full development of consciousness while maximizing reproductive labor potential. They shall have immediate reproductive maturity. All female fetuses will immediately be terminated in utero, another feat of biomechanical programming. A race of men shall emerge more powerful than any the Planetary Coalition has ever seen. To celebrate the extinction of the female, the propaganda department has prepared a series of demonstrations of feminine perversity. This exhibition is the first of that series and intended to remove any doubt about the necessity of the female's elimination. If we do not murder them, they will murder our way of life. The perversity of woman is eternal and without exception therefore, must be extinguished. These artifacts of the 21st century from the first planet, which had nation states that granted female citizenship, illustrate the folly of such allowances. What good ever came from their freedom of thought and action? None. A woman cannot be a citizen. We are safely aware of this fact now after the atomic wars of the late 21st century laid to waste those perverse, indulgent democracies. From the ashes, the architects built a new and glorious world. Elon 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 glory to thy name oh Elon we praise thee. As the new age of colonization through interstellar travel emerged it became increasingly clear to the architects that only man must live. The architects in their infinite wisdom understood that all other life must be eliminated. Only man and his glorious machines must exist. Uh, all planets shall be made barren of any other life and transformed into temples of technological might. The instinct for destruction must be nurtured. All others must be purged as they are useless distractions. Familial bonds, mother love, sex for pleasure, all must be excised as they are tumors on the social organism. If full consciousness is Of a female is allowed, as this exhibition demonstrates, it is only a burden on society. A woman is useless, except as an incubator. They have been tolerated to this point as a necessity, but the new technology of the architects has made them obsolete. And oh, glory, glory to this new freedom of man. Truth is power. Peace is war. Propaganda is culture. Violence is duty. Love is treason. Freedom is obedience. Remember, compassion is a moral crime. Prevent thought crime before it starts with new neural implants from iMind. Also available are neural stimulants. No more messy syringes. Methamphetamine uptake right into your neural network is just a blink away. Bonus credits to any citizen that turns in female relations. Remember, they are all criminals without exception. Remember, their continued existence threatens yours. Trouble uploading images on your neural network? Download the newest version from, of the mini. Neural app today. Bugs from version 2.0 have been fixed for smoother uplinks, blink mechanism perfected. An end to women is the beginning of true greatness for homo superior. Thanks, Dad.
0: All right, great stuff. Thank you, Elizabeth. That was awesome. Um, Right back to the mundane, adjusting the mic. Uh, Powerful stuff. Thank you, Elizabeth. Our next reader of the evening is Rachel Sachs. Give it up for Rachel.
6: Hello. This is my third YOP and my first time sharing a poem about a breakup. (laughs) There was a clue for a goddess of love, a name neither of us recognized, a clue for pretense, a French word for nipple, I guessed relentless until voila, discovery. It was a hard puzzle, two trains worth, he did more of the work, though I'm usually more astute, or perhaps just quicker. I think I still got the last clue. I wish I could say I had no clue, but I had one all night, taut, strained smiles, and long before that, and clues coded of my own. I wish I could remember more of the words from that shared screen, huddled round, how they glowed when we found answers. But you don't know it will be your last crossword together. The answer is always an ending.
0: All right, that was tough. Um, I think I probably laughed when you did the cry. It's like I, when I get sad, I laugh. so if you <laughs> I hope that you weren't offended, but uh, now everyone knows if you hear me laughing it 's often because I 'm like, "Wow, that was really sad." Um, Did anyone else? Did anyone break up on New Year's Eve? (laughs) Are you serious? Madeline Phillips, do tell. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. Well, you can tell us all about it when you come up here to read your poem. (laughs) Our next poet of the evening. (laughs) Our next poet tonight is Sienna Wills. Give it up for Sienna.
7: This is my first yap, yap since August. And I've missed you guys so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna explain what it's about after. And I had a lot of really good help with this poem. Why do they call it life support if most of the time you just die anyway? The scents of lilacs, long strings of pearls, an air of celebrity followed you around the room. Your statuesque body strewn about canvases, lines, curves, shapes of you, in paintings and photographs, naked or encompassed with the trinkets and baubles you received on the catwalk. How are you so breathtakingly beautiful? Dinner with you My first taste of salmon roe on pumpernickel bread. My first taste of wasabi and seaweed at 2 a.m. sitting at the foot of your bed. Your poetry and graphic novels that spilled out of your abounding bookcases. Dropping the needle precisely on the vinyl every time you played Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Playing dress-up. We felt like the faces on your opera earrings. Comedy born from tragedy, with memories, heavy jewelry dangling from my 11-year-old freshly pierced ears, tugging on my earlobes the same way your love tugged on my heart. These are the ways I choose to remember you, in physical photographs, which can only exist in my mind, how I've chosen to print them. I lost my aunt a few days before New Year's. She's the reason I know poetry, and I just wanted you guys to see her face.
4: (laughs) Thank you. That
0: was beautiful. Thank you, Sienna. Beautiful. Our next part of the evening is Benji Taubenblatt. Give it up for Benji.
8: Hey, my name is Benji. Um, this is my second yawp and first time thank you. And first time doing the open mic. This poem's called Strange. You make me strange, something unfamiliar. When I speak to you, my lips are odd, clumsy like children. When I look at you, my eyes are distant, something far off. When you touch me, my skin is completely foreign to me, my entire body unknown. Solely from your presence in the room, I must learn to speak and see and feel all over again. My entire world birthed anew by your mere breath. You make me strange, something weird. I was collected, yet suddenly, every draft in the room draws my mind, only stolen by hyper-awareness, the way I'm standing or how my hands rest. I was composed, Now my heart, my soul, cascades through my body, and I'm tumbling into the current, but it's as if I couldn't fall fast enough. Like, if I don't ride these currents, if I don't bear this turbulence, I may never make it to you. And more, I don't want to speak with my old lips, or see with my old eyes, or touch with my old fingers. For you, every part of me wants to remain strange.
9: Thank you.
0: All right, thank you very much, Benji. On deck is Ellie Bell, our next reader of the Evening one of our Yacht home of the Year finalists last year. Give it up for Kiara Delelo. Hi
10: everybody. Hello. Hello. I'm Kiara DeLello, Happy New Year. There's a couple of things that I just wanna say before I read. Um, one of the things that makes it possible for me to be here um, at Brooklyn Poets is knowing that this is a place that cares about things like COVID safety and mask policies and harm reduction. Um, so kudos for that. And um, the other thing that makes it possible for me to be here lately especially is that this is a place that cares about Palestine and liberation. And I just want to say to all of you, please don't stop talking about Palestine. Please keep doing whatever you've been doing or do one more thing than you've been doing for a ceasefire. It is so, so needed. Um, I re- and I am not reading a poem that's explicitly about that, but it also is about that. And I didn't want to not say it. Because the other thing that I've been thinking about, um, this came out of a workshop that was technically about the sacred and reimagining ideas of the sacred. Um, But what I was also thinking about was something that a friend posted, um, someone who is Palestinian-American and is worried about her family and her community and is just full of grief and anger and so many other things. And one thing she was saying is, I'm tired of all this rhetoric about women and children, because our men deserve to be human too. And it's not surprising. We cannot humanize in others what we have killed in ourselves. We cannot value in another culture what we have killed or stifled or suffocated in our own. And so what I actually have for you tonight is a poem that's about masculinity and sacredness. Um, And I hope that I can give it to you in that spirit. So thank you. This is called... Why would my phone be doing that. Uh, this is called Patron Saint of the Impossible. Patron Saint of the Impossible. There aren't a lot of ways to get a key to the garden that swallows the street grid over on the east side. Sometimes you get one by buying one of the more money than sense townhouses shouldering in on NYC's answer to a Philadelphia-style square. We had no keys, obviously. We were young and broke and making out against the iron fence in pouring rain in weather warm enough that we didn't care if we scandalized the lily-white residents of Gramercy. The rain melted his curls to his forehead and through his shirt I could feel the medallion that had peaked out one date before. Like the one I earned in communion class I had to take from the lady who spoke only Ukrainian and dressed like a little brown grey mouse, but you could tell she believed all that stuff about Tilo i Kro Jesus Christu, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. But his icon wasn't the mother and child. It was Saint Jude. And I knew that one from Panny Mouse, the patron saint of lost causes. Some days it takes me a minute to remember that guy's name, but I remember the medallion. I remember that his mother gave it to him when he moved to the big city, made it an act of love to remind him and herself how vulnerable he was, to hang it like one line of a song between breath and heartbeat, a penny in the grass lawn of his chest. I pressed my hand to it, to him, and thought right there in the rain how we are all lost causes, how everything is so temporary, it's all I can do not to mourn it as it passes the way our mouths were warmer than our skins, the way we knew at 22 or three we were probably never getting into that garden. Sometimes fences cut themselves through our wants, let them, and sometimes green overgrows the grid, let it. There was joy along the edges and we found it sweet. And if the rain could have dissolved us, we didn't know, we did not mind. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kira. Um, thought that would be a good segue. Uh, to, so, Tara Skirtu, a, a poet, brought these um, amazing felt patches. By uh, some of you may have seen these with the quote from a Rifat Alarir's poem "If I Must Die." Uh, it's got the second line, "You must live," as well. These are free up here if you want to take one on your way out. Uh, yeah, let's give uh, let's give all of that a round of applause. Sure. <laughs> It's a beautiful poem. Uh, If you don't know, this was the poem that, uh, the last published poem before he was killed in Gaza on December 7th. Um, Yeah, it's heavy. Our next Poet of the Night, sorry to say that before you go in and read. Our next Poet of the Evening is Ellie Bell. Give it up for Ellie. (laughs)
11: is is partially to do with palestine so um i don't think i've written anything in in months that hasn't been at least partially to do with palestine so um yeah so this poem is Uh, About a lot of things, but it is it's about watching the ways that we have been talking about Palestine on social media and with each other and people getting tired of talking about it and tired of paying attention. Um, Palestinians are tired of being murdered. Um, So it's a little bit about that. And it's also about uh, me continuing to speak out. I have family that has been murdered there and in Lebanon um, and still feeling stressed every time I speak out about um, me being so loud and mouthy being undesirable and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's called, I am 29 years old when I wake up in my body. A bed I haven't made in years whose sheets are crumpled and not nearly washed enough. War is on the news and war is in our hearts texts from family about when the bombs will come don't stop for three days and two days before that i heard the cry from my own chest when someone i once thought friend felt i was not human enough to keep loving made me monster in their head because i dared to say that the palestinian people are more than a scapegoat for their greatest fears And on the internet, our realist reality show, no MTV needed. The girls are fighting. Honey, the girls are out here. The influencers are playing for sport, waging wild for likes, hunting each other with our hot take lanterns. All these opinions falling from the Instagram clouds. People who don't have skin in the sick game of grief and who will live, who will die, won't stop running their mouths, a river whose source is only ignorance, which has no damn to stop it. So I log off and I block the app with another app that equally uses me to make money because we're all the product, you know, but I can't care about that now at a time like this. When the cost of being seen is being broken down by weapons wielded in words and infographics and sharp tongues that are new to cutting so the wounds are so much rougher. And I wonder for the millionth time why we do this to each other when the ego falls away. I wonder when you will leave me for speaking truth like so many have and do each day. I have learned in my life that everything is a lesson or a leaving. Sometimes the lesson is that no one can leave me if they don't see me. If they don't see me, they don't deserve me. If they don't deserve me, they are only feeling some flickering of my shine from light years away that makes them nervous because they can't quantify it. If they can't quantify me, their fear is not about me at all. They run from me because they run from themselves. I know if you leave because I can't shut my mouth or my tear ducts, I am lucky. Should be so grateful to know who does not deserve to hold me. But 29 years in a body that was so massacred into submission will leave your limbs feeling like someone leaving you is another declaration of war. I burn a blue candle for creativity. I burn a red candle for strength. I burn holy basil and sage tied together with roses. I burn another white flag. I don't surrender. Leave me if you must. None of the wars could make me abandon myself.
0: Thank you, Ellie. That was awesome. On deck is Hunter Hodkinson. Our next part of the evening is Michael Frisentes. Give it up for Mike.
12: Hey, everyone. Uh, if you spoke to me earlier... You'll know that I was just writing this up until the open mic started, so I haven't even read this all the way through yet. It's a little too long, so I'm just going to jump right in. I saw a guy on the street with a cool jacket. Maybe the coolest jacket I've ever seen in the wild. It was so sick. He was walking ahead of me a little bit faster. His jacket was cool. His hair was cool. The cigarette in his hand was cool. It was cool that he walked a little bit faster than me. I was heading to pick up dinner and he was heading somewhere I could only imagine was much cooler. I took a picture of the jacket, thought about asking him where he got it, like fully imagined sidling up to him, a light tap on the shoulder like, hey cool jacket man, where's it from? Imagine the feel of his shoulder through the material and the tone of my voice, the way it gets a little deeper when I talk to a man. The cool jacket was seen by me on a Thursday in January, the first coldish evening of the year. First one that really warranted a jacket, thank you, Future, which raised the question of was he wearing it to be cool or was he wearing it to wear a jacket. And is that cooler? More specifically, the jacket was a cool Blade Runner jacket. Not cool like the jackets in Blade Runner, but cool like it had a frame of Blade Runner printed on it. In Blade Runner, they don't wear jackets with Blade Runner on them. They wouldn't be cool if they did. Blade Runner's very cool vision of a dystopian future is set in Los Angeles in the year 2019. The eponymous Blade Runner is Harrison Ford, a cop who pursues artificial humans referred to as replicants. Blade Runner, as cool as it sounds, is just a job title. No one has a cool job title. I'm a production coordinator. You're a group copy supervisor. These are twice fake ideas like the replicants in Blade Runner who aren't real within their world and are unreal even beyond that. No one has a cool job, even Harrison Ford, who doesn't want to do his job as a Blade Runner in Blade Runner, and who doesn't seem all that enthused about acting, either. I have taken of late to claiming that coolness is the highest American virtue, apotheosistic of something inherent to our national identity. Nothing is more American than coolness. Than the Blade Runner city skyline, 2019 Los Angeles choked with smog. Nothing more American than a cheeseburger. Than the term nothing burger. Nothing more American than a golden fat boys burger with a 60-40 patty. That's 60% impossible beef, 40% beyond beef. uh, And Vialife cheddar, grilled veggies, beyond chicken tenders, and Sweet Baby Ray's golden barbecue and wing sauce. I would have a cool jacket if I believed in myself. And having a cool jacket. If I had a cool jacket, I would wear it every day. If I had a cool jacket, I would stop thinking it's a cool jacket the more I wore it. Think of a cool jacket. Everyone has something that comes to mind when they think of a cool jacket. Mine is leather with fuck the world written across the back, and it's from a video game. Or it's satin and stitched with Godzilla monsters, and I saw it first on Twitter, and then for $500 on eBay shipped straight from Japan. Can I imagine a cooler jacket than the ones that I have seen? Can I imagine a cooler jacket than an AI can? Am I the first person dreaming my dreams, or have they been group copy supervised? Have they been bugged and debugged? Am I any realer than Harrison Ford? (laughs) Falling asleep, I whisper to myself, human, you are human. I whisper, create an image of a stylish jacket with a sleek design that incorporates both futuristic elements and classic aesthetics. Thank you.
0: God damn. Some good shit, Mike. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I'm just thinking of all my cool jackets now. (laughs) What a weird and amazing poem. Uh, And like a necessary poem. I just, I didn't, you know, it's like one of those poems like you don't realize how much you needed it until you heard it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Cause I'm like, yeah, there was a time in my life where I was like, I have no cool jackets, and now I feel like I'm like happier now because I feel like I have some cool jackets. <laughs> anyway, our next part of the evening is the amazing Hunter Hotkinson. Give it up for Hunter.
13: That poem was so funny, but I'm ready to kill the mood again. Tonight, tonight I bring another sad father poem. My Trump supporter father. That's the poem, thank you. So this poem is called Squirrel. Nights my father dragged me to his buddy's house. I am trapped and waiting to be spoken to. So, Squirrel, what are you learning in school right now? My head whips around like a doorbell dog. I can't tell him my favorite part of fourth grade is playing Roblox, so I say division and show him nothing can can be divided by zero. Huh. Cool, Squirrel. Yeah, fuck Obama. Talks of government takeovers, don't tread on me, snakes slither. I count the seconds for the banter of illegal immigrants and faggot cocksucker Democrats to end, so we can go home, sleep the whole way. I know it isn't true, No, to never believe the damn Guatemalans are nothing but humans who also need jobs to survive." but I nod my head and laugh when they threaten ass whoopings if I ever grew up to become a liberal. No, dad, never. Thank you.
0: Goddamn, God damn. Uh, Wow, man, I feel like we turned a corner in this open mic, we're just like, in the land of amazing now. <laughs> God damn. Okay, uh, on deck is Madeline Phillips, who uh, had a breakup recently. Our next poet, <laughs> our next poet is Flora. Sorry to make light of that, but uh, we, got, we got to laugh about something. Uh, our next poet of the evening is Flora Midwood. Give it up for Flora. Okay, it's funny because Flora was actually like sign up twice for a, a brief moment tonight until I crossed the second one off, but uh, we'll just have to cross both off. Now we're all going to remember the name Flora Midwood, which really sounds like a poet's name. It sounds like a poet's name that like Haruki Murakami would have invented. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that. Uh, our next poet of the evening, give it up for Madeline Phillips.
14: Okay, not to make further light of my breakup, because I'm still really sad about it, Um, but I am polyamorous, sorry if that's TMI, so I do still have a boyfriend, so it's not the worst, (laughs) but just, you know, being a Libra, balancing joy and grief. Okay, this is called Floaters, a spider drags a line between us, I wonder at this bold little weaver. Will it drop down or climb up? My eyes trace its translucent thread. Sleep seems the pillow to your cheek. Faces hiding in the headboard reveal themselves. I sit up too fast. Sparkles school and scatter like fish. Dust motes dissolve into halos. A blink and all is clear again. You've wrapped yourself in the top sheet. I have lost sight of the spider. I get up, grind coffee, fine brown flurries, remind me of the floaters you say you see all the time. What does that look like? The black mark before the cut in the corner of an old movie in everything? or Uncle Rocky's ashes, tossed like confetti against the wind, I still can't blink him away. I step outside, lift my hands to the sky, pretend to pull apart a cloud, press down on my eyelids so hard I remember passing a flask of whiskey years ago at a planetarium light show. I step back inside the room glows green I try on your glasses you open the shower curtain like a moth emerging from a cocoon steam dances limbs fizz with light blur into wet wings Wow what do you see when you look at me is it something I've grasped before after staring at a lamp for too long Or the ghost I thought I glimpsed half asleep in front of the TV? You dry off, take back your glasses, stretch, get dressed. I Google Hildegard von Bingen, Buddhist mandalas, optical illusions. Find a woman who is older and younger than me. The longer I look, the more I see, the less I understand what you see. Did I know it as a child, singing prayers for fairies, naming every moth that flew into the citronella flame, Icarus, staring directly at the sun, spinning so fast, I fell, fractured my left forearm, made my mother's frown lines fade in the rear view mirror as she asked what I was laughing about back there. Milk clots in my coffee. You crack an egg in the skillet. A blood spot dots the yolk. Changes in light can excite a hen. Cause something inside her to break. Of course, you don't see any of these things. Just little clumps of collagen casting shadows over your retina. A symptom of one too many concussions. You leave. I walk back to bed. Find the spider weaving its web in the corner of the window. Squint through it at two cats loafing on a rooftop. They squint back at me. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you very much, Madeline. On deck is Stephanie McLean. Our next poet is Jim Stewart. Give it up for Jim. (laughs)
9: This is called, uh, brother. It is murder. <clears throat> my lungs knew life from the wind here once, but I have but have forgotten the altitude. Is that what makes the inside of my thighs burn as I pedal, or the too low seat on this rental? I don't have the hex key to fix, or that when I first walked these banks looked at these blue peaks, the distance to the Alameda Bridge and down to Isleta Pueblo would have seemed so far. I wore a 32-leg then as now, but when I had all this space, I believed miles were for driving, as Westerners do. Another lesson I learned decades too late like that the cardinality of algorithms is countable, but the outcomes are on the continuum. Yet still at 4.30 this morning, I lay awake, repent, rewinding the steps, repent, looking for the node I took the wrong edge, the times I could have told her no more, this will cross the threshold. Now I pull off toward the riverbank to piss. There's less water in the river than back then, less snow on the mountains, because the blizzard of the world takes its sweet time. Under the tree is a broken shrine, burned devotion candles, stuffed bears, beer bottles, and a fake rose. The river bank looks like the place Walter White shot Ehrman (laughs) Trout. I wonder if I can ever watch again the shows I watched with her In the movies, the end comes so easy. Meteors and zombies, Christ and Hiroshima. A virus that just kills everyone, leaves us at least our history. Once dad filled the stables with canned goods and beans that went rotten and stank. But if there were fires on the road, if I walked this path with his 222 Remington to keep off the Reavers, it would still be safe. To remember. That's what's not in the stories. 25 years irradiated when our private life suddenly explodes, spreading fallout to a wind blowing all the way back to our meat cute Smiles that burn to remember, a cozy bistro where the fondue becomes toxic. If I'd known as a child what she'd think was permitted, feared her then the way I would come to, what would I have done? He'd have shrugged, stopped, if I said, let's don't. If I'd kept my mirrored room, my secret life buried in my browser history, even to today, this cottonwood would still stand broken. The wild geese would still land on the alfalfa field, and she'd know the person I she thought I was. Maybe that's what they meant. A different repentance, a different villain. On my left is a junkyard. On my right, bare branches of the bosque. Sparse oxygen rides the rhythm of my pulse, my engine of survival. Thank you. Oh, and free Palestine too, yeah.
0: Thank you, Jim. I think you've got it all. <laughs> Our next vote of the evening is Stephanie McLean. Give it up for Stephanie.
15: everyone. So I fell in kind of like delusional love with someone from Spain this fall so it, this poem's not about that but to distract myself I learned a lot about JFK's assassination <laughs> and then I learned a lot about um, how the CIA overthrew all the governments in South America and then I learned a lot about United Fruit Company. <laughs> so this is about that and this is called All Sins Happen Before the Fruit is Ripe. All sins happen before the fruit is ripe, so you can all hear. Okay, um, Fruit without sadness. Where does it grow? Apple trees rupture earth. Break backs with harvest. Knobby tendons bowing to migrant pickers' calloused palms. 25-cent bananas journey north. Escape peel bruising. While under skin, invisible blight soaked through with generations of bloody Chiquita business. Coo fruit, united nothing, exporting only lemons. Pax Americana, fake like filmy wax. Mango stickers spells Peru. Freckled skin silently screams of burnt up pastures. Drought devastated farmer families. Avocado on the side. Curdles brown from trauma, conflict commodity, bloody war just to cross country for gluttony, coo fruit, united nothing, exporting only lemons, Pax Americana fake like filmy wax. Is anything unsmudged, unhuman? I wonder if murderous figs learn to steal the final sip of bee's breath from us. Even our bounty is greedy, GMOs swelling jumbo, impatient for no flaws, eager to please the lords of plutocracy. I want us to taste nectar that hasn't poisoned whole countries before our kiss. Innocent flesh, meat tongue, melting down throat, nestling into stomach, curled like a cursive love letter from earth to body. Fruit without sadness. Where does it grow? I have found wickedless fruit only in my mother's garden. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, that intro is, is like another poem. <laughs> Almost as good as the poem itself. Uh I assume you you meant coup fruit like C O U P, not K O O, which is my last name. <laughs> One of my nicknames in high school was coup d'état. It it's a very sophisticated nickname. That happened after we did French history. Uh, or it was Deta for short. <laughs> Danny Lee, uh, Cleveland, Ohio the author of that nickname. <laughs> On deck is Michael Cohen, but our next poet is our wonderful photographer, Jess Gagne. Give it up for Jess.
16: Yay, January. Um, okay, it's called First Thought, Best Thought because I have not edited it very much. While taking a video, one minute long, of the ducks in the half-frozen water at the park, a snowflake-shaped snowflake landed on my warm hand, and I watched it melt. It's a new year again, and I'm living life and time. Tra- um, oh, I'm living life and time traveling in this temperature, feeling half frozen and half flighty too, like I can only swim so far before I have to lift off a little. So I lift my thumb and shift my focus and wonder if it wasn't actually a death wish you had but a wish to live, to banish the fear of death and know that every day is one more, a bonus because I also wish for that sometimes. And I see how you might confuse the two types of longing for something else without actually wanting it. And then, on the way home in the mostly empty park I'm walking down this snowy hill like I am in charge, not gravity. And in this extra time I am given, I think about you, because you can't. And the snow turns to apple blossoms, fragrant and falling in the field that is now a Whole Foods in our hometown. And well, you missed out. At the Whole Foods, you can grab a whole handful of ripe blueberries and just buy them or eat them like that, and you would have. And if poetry is just prayer that comes easier, that's okay. I will rephrase this praise. Thank you for this first snow. Thank you for the blueberries and the ducks. I miss you. Happy New Year. <laughs> <Here.
0: No. laughs> Great. <laughs> Tears. <laughs> Doing this yacht for 12 years. Never heard anyone say that before. Tears. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, lovely poem. Thank you, Jess. Our next po of the evening, as I mentioned a little earlier, Michael Cohen, give it up for Michael. <laughs> Check that. Michael left. Our next put of the evening. Is Taylor Molly. Give it up for Taylor.
2: God, what a pleasure. I can do this. I can do this. I've never been at a poetry reading before. It's such a pleasure to come up and read a poem and be able to take off the mask, and it's such a pleasure to be able to be at a yawp with you here, now with two kids, and Darius as your right-hand man, who has been taking, put put your hands together for Darius, who has been, (laughs) suddenly Jason's back, and he's he's managing the night. Uh, Anyway, thank you to to both of you. Um, where's the camera? I got one already, it's great. No, 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 not you, the, the Zoom camera. I wanna, I, wanna, uh, I wanna say a special shout out to Amanda Quaid, who is um, taking care of her daughter tonight and so couldn't be part of the YOP and she is a frequent uh, member of the YOP. And also to Kevin David Lemaster, who is watching from Kentucky. And he was one of my co-editors of a project this earlier this summer. And he said, I can't believe I got to ra- read on that stage in July. And it was not a dream, Kevin. You, you, were, you were part of this. And we all know that we are lucky to be here and uh, tonight. And here is a poem. Um, I was in a workshop recently where the prompt was to respond to the following bit of self-help. When you have a difficult thing that you need to tell someone, you might think that the best thing to do is to just say it, hoping for the best and bracing for the worst. And that's almost right. You just have to do it not in that order. Start with your greatest fear shift to your greatest hope, and then say the difficult thing. So this is called My Greatest Fears, My Greatest Fear. My greatest fear is that in saying this, in writing this, it's the same as everyone's fear, that when you hear it, you will no longer love me. Will, in fact, regret ever having loved me, ever even kissing me, as you did years ago and three times since. Though on my life, your husband never knew that, nor my now ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> judgment! <laughs> this, is, this is a new poem. I've got I to get through it. Despite the judgment which is nothing in comparison to the judgment I I put upon myself. My greatest fear in telling you this is that you took something from me years ago, and I've been trying to live my life without it, and you'll think this is just an attempt to get it back, whatever it was. My greatest fear is that you'll tell me your son has decided to go to NYU in the fall. So you'll be in the city a couple of times a year at least, and will probably guest teach a yoga class or two, and will let me know if you do. Child's pose, downward dog, my greatest fear is happy baby. My greatest fear is your lips. The warmth and the wetness of your mouth, which is to say, my greatest fear is my own goddamn dick. <laughs> it's being betrayed by the hardness of my own body. My greatest hope is for you to feel the same, to want, to crave to pray, to need the same, to swim once more in the twin blue terror of your eyes, which is to say, you should never tell anyone that they were in your dream unless you want them to think that you want to fuck them, which is a crazy coincidence because I dreamt about you again last night. You were doing yoga. And here it is, the thing I have to say to you, what drove me to the page today and to the mic tonight. I am yours. I am still yours. There has never been a time that I was not always yours, and I swear to God, whatever it was you took from me years ago, I think it would be best if you came back and found me and kissed me and just... Took
0: the rest. All right, well, good luck to you, Taylor. (laughs) Getting getting through the rest of the evening. (laughs) That was an amazing last line, took the rest. So, uh, some of you may have taken Taylor's drop in last fall. It was called Saying the Quiet Part Out Loud. I don't know if you wrote that with your students in that class, but clearly you demonstrated <laughs> how to do it. Uh, well done. Uh, We've got time for a few more poets. going to get to a couple of poets off this wait list. Uh, on deck is, uh, I think it's Rochelle George, uh, but up next is Kayla Schwab. Give it up for Kayla. Yeah.
17: First, can I just offer another certified Jason Koo? goddamn, because <laughs> I love the January op. it's my favorite. I suspect it's because everybody's feeling the, like, New Year, I'm going to write more poetry and, you know, start the year off well. And I've been having a lot of conversations with people lately just about all the things you see online, like reflecting and my 2023 recap and my resolutions and it's a little exhausting y'all like (laughs) I don't know it's why are we all like setting goals in the middle of winter like we're all tired and just want to be in bed um and I was telling my yoga teacher about this and just saying like I you know I I want to hit the ground running but I feel like I'm just crawling into the new year And she was like, that's kind of great. Like, what if we could crawl instead of run? And then I thought of the Lucille Clifton poem, I Am Running Into a New Year. Um, And so I wrote this this poem. It's called I Am Crawling Into a New Year, after Lucille Clifton. I am crawling into a new year. My toes burrowed in last year's sands. Fingertips kneading the ground ahead into a pillowy pathway, like my bed, where I sometimes spend more hours than I intend, awake but bleary, dreaming up plans of what I'll make for breakfast cinnamon, nutmeg, cardamom, a winter's balm. I make my bed slowly, like stretching a new canvas on a frame. Books and mugs stockpiled around it like a nest. And it will be hard to let go of the questions I have about next month, next year, the next ten, and the next twenty. A skein of possibilities unspooling around me as I descend for a soft landing, but for now I am crawling into a new year, drinking the midnight air, and I thaw into what I am, and fill what I am meant to become. Thanks.
0: Okay, great, thank you. <laughs> midnight air. I was telling someone before the op that uh, you know when you're a parent of two kids, you start celebrating New Year's at 8 p.m., you know? <laughs> so I consider it a win if you got to celebrate at midnight. Um, Our next vote, I don't know if it's Rachel or Rochelle. You can correct me when you get up here. Is it uh, Rochelle George or Rachel George? Rachel George. Give it up for Rachel.
18: Hello, everyone. This is my first time reading here. (laughs) Happy New Year. So my birthday was last week, and I turned 22, right? And it just feels like the oldest age ever, let me tell y'all. And I know, I know, I know y'all gonna, y'all gonna come at me, but listen, like when you're younger, right, you don't really think about like adulting, adulting, right? It's like, oh my God, I can't wait to be 10, right? Double digits. Oh my God, I can't wait to be 13. I'm a teenager, like 16, sweet 16, 18, 21. Oh wait, 22. Wow. Didn't think of this. But anyway, so um, after a lot of like reflecting, right? Because I feel like you do a lot of reflecting when you turn a new chapter and a new age. And I was just thinking back to like all the things that like made me who I am today, right? And like Disney Channel, shout out, shout out Hannah Montana, shout out Miss Alex Russo um, and all these people, right? Oh, and also shout out SZA too. And this poem that I wrote is kind of based off, loosely based off her um, God Bless These 20-something song. So here we go. God bless these 20-somethings. Just vibing, trying to turn them into something. Nothing's into something. I'm just a pretty little young thing. From a concrete jungle where people don't become things. Gotta watch your back and such things. Does anyone else replace scenarios in their head, or is it just me? Like, do you think about something from months ago and over on it and act out the scene and break down minute by minute by minute what you should have done differently over and over and over and over and over and over again? Regret. The epitome of i because you're not present. Instead, I'm living in the past. Why I like it even last. I try not to live with it, but it's really just wanting to go back and do things differently because now you're an outsider looking in, and you can see the angles that were at play before you knew what was at stake. Or it's really just wake- wanting to go back to do things differently because you knew better. Or did you actually? Should I... Should I have known better? Life isn't a set race. We don't live on a set pace. So why do you want to relive it again? Do things differently, huh? Well, what if you replayed it and you got a different outcome? Would you still be this person? Because, well, you learned something. The first time around, didn't you? That's something you don't know now because in this altered reality, you already knew better, so you did better. But did you actually? Or did you just reverse, rewind, and untangle the space continuum the universe created for you? Unwalking the path that was laid for you. I don't know, man. Or maybe I'm just angry with myself because I should have known better. But why? Why should I have known better? Was this not my lesson to learn how to know better and therefore do better so if it wasn't this time, it'd be next time? So instead, regret and reset. Reset the heart, mind, and spiritual self to accept. What was is what is. I did the best I could with the experience I had. Reset. We're all just doing our best. God bless these (laughs) 20-somethings.
0: All right, thank you, Rachel. Oh, it'll be 22 again. <laughs> I am more than twice that age. I have been teaching longer than you've been alive. <laughs> Our last two poets of the evening are Michelle Smoller and Jasmine Pirick. Give it up for Michelle. <laughs>
19: this is my second time yapping and my first time at open mic, so. All right. Wake up, wake up, you're okay. The buds in full bloom now, terpenes in your bloodstream, cannabinoid receptors in their places, chemical bonds in sweet embraces. It's love, it's kindness. A brief respite from your disgraces. When your mind's undone and you're tripping on the laces, choking on the promises you made, haunted by your own voice, the aching loneliness, the onus of every choice. Light up, smoke up, and feel at home, one with your body, flesh, and bone. Forget the hours trapped inside your mind and how your cry seeped out your perforated lung and made no sound. How many breaths you'd trade when death lingers on your tongue, when living is violence and tomorrows are the reason you're afraid. Escape your fate, inhale, the flower is forgiving. Exhale, and let yourself be saved. Raise the flame and burn away the poison ink tattooed onto your DNA. I know you're tired, so find relief. Paint yourself with oil and with keef, and let the plant infuse you. Fuck the pity and indignities that bruise you. Find grace among the aromatic earth, the root and leaf, the seed and stem, medicine that's of no worth to them, and for a moment be at peace. Remember you are more than your disease, that once you were a girl who dreamed of more than having dreams.
0: All right. Well done. Thank you, Michelle. Our last poet of the evening. I'm sorry we couldn't get to more on this wait list, but it is nine, almost 9:20. I gotta get home to Beacon, New York. Uh, our last poet of the evening is Jasmine Peirik. Give it up for Jasmine.
20: Okay. I keep sneaking in here as the last yapper. This happened last month. Um, where I'm like, okay, it's not gonna happen today, and then here I am. It was meant to be. <laughs> meant to be. Um, so this poem is very new, and it came from a workshop that I took recently that I didn't like very much. It wasn't at Brooklyn Poets. <laughs> um, but I will say the prompt was really good for me because it was it was writing the unexpected, um, and I write a lot from life and sort of ri- what's right in front of me all the time, and so it was fun to go into this like magic consciousness a bit, it reminded me of today. So um, I was editing this poem until very recently and here we go. January in Brooklyn. I blink myself conscious, recognize the textured ceiling, the crack after a repeated leak my super keeps promising to fix. It's morning. I am happy to be awake. I am always happy when I wake because coffee comes in the morning time. (laughs) I go to the kitchen, dump yesterday's leftover liquid into the sink. It swirls down the drain. Every day, I make more than I need. Enough, let's say, so that if someone were to arrive at my door, I'd be able to say, Coffee? I've just put a fresh pot on. I pour water into the water reservoir, grab a filter from the circular Tupperware I keep next to Mr. Coffee himself. I never measure the grinds with a spoon. My method is simple and haphazard, but it suits me. Open the bag and dump. (laughs) Today, when I tilt the bag, expecting grinds to flow, as they usually do, a strawberry Yes, a ruby red strawberry tumbles out of the bag. Ripe as the berries I'd pull from my parents' hot California soil midsummer. Grinds have kissed the berries' flesh all over, the same way dirt get, gets handsy after a good rain. <laughs> I look in the bag, just more grounds, a modest harvest, it seems. I grab the gal's green hat between thumb and forefinger of my left hand, gently dust her with the tips of my right fore and middle fingers carefully so as not to bruise her delectable dermis. Now, I can't tell you why, but just now I decided to close my eyes, bring the berry to my nose. Nesquik strawberry milk? I'd buy, gas, I'd buy at the gas station across from my mom's office. Too young to cross the busy street alone, but I did anyway. After-school snack. The jam my dad slathers with extra butter on potato bread toast. Lip smacker's chapstick I'd guarded in my purple and green Barney and Friends bag. I love you, you love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? I bring the red fleshy fruit to my lips, sink enamel in. Pink juice seeps into the pockets of my cheeks. A bit escapes the loose seal of my lips. A blush trail descends my jowl. I taste the sun that warmed that berry ripe. Here, the sprinkler my dad used to attach to the hose. Chit, 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 chit. Do you remember running through one of those, too? I see ants and aphids, hands on hips, huffing and puffing at their harvest, lost to my greedy gob. I open my eyes, and to my surprise, there is only a wet mound of grounds propped at the tips of my gathered fingers, bitter grit on my tongue. I scan the countertop for the lady's green hat, bearing my teeth marks in her topmost white flesh. No such thing. I shut the lid to the coffee pot, hit start, and move to the couch I've positioned just right, so that as I sit, I can stare out the window, hang on to the thread of blue sky dangling between buildings while I wait for Mr. Coffey's gurgle to deaden. His signal, it's time. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you, Jasmine. All right, I am going to recap. I'm sure you're all excited to text your vote, 718 one nine five three. If you're in the back and you're like, "What's that number again?" Just look at the chalkboard over the fireplace. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. Uh, we just heard from Jasmine Purick. Before that was Michelle Smoller, Rachel George, Kayla Schwab, Taylor Molly. Yeah, you can you can whoop after each one. <laughs> this the next one is you, Jess Gagne, <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie McLean, Jim Stewart, Madeline Phillips. Hunter Hodkinson, Michael Fersentis, Ellie Bell, Kiara Delelo, Benji Taubenblatt, Sienna Wills, Rachel Sachs, Elizabeth Moyland, Tamisha Galbraith, and last but not least, or in fact they were first, Jennifer Rumberger. Again, vote once, 718-374-1953, just text us the poet's name, uh, whoever's in on Wednesday, Sophia will be in on Wednesday, she'll be counting the votes on our phone and uh, if you won we will be contacting you to let you know by the way if you uh signed up to read tonight and you got a ticket at the door we are going to need your email so if you didn't Give us your email. That's only if you bought a ticket at the door and signed up for the open mic at the door. So if that is you, you should come up and see Darius and give us your email just in case we need to contact you. Because if you win and we can't contact you, like I it's like, I can't think of anything more tragic for a poet. <laughs> that came close to happening once. We had to like find the poet on Instagram. I think that was Claire. I think Claire was here. That was you, I think. No? Wasn't it Claire that we had to like contact on? Yeah. Nicole? Nicole Alexander? Okay. Claire, we had your email. <laughs> Claire's like, no, I'm good. We, you were fine. I was fine. Uh, but don't let that be you. If you, we don't have your email, come up and give it to us. Again, 718-374-1953. Our next YOP is on February 12th. It's always the second Monday of every month. That's, in fact, five Mondays from now. Uh, I mentioned Shira Ehrlichman is very popular. She will be leading the February 12th YOP. So, uh one announcement about that, some people have asked about this. I know a lot of people are chatting, so you're ready for me to stop talking. That's fine. But I'm going to give you a very important announcement because some have asked about this, like, how do I get a reserved open mic ticket? So we usually have 10, not usually, we always have 10 open mic tickets that are reserved on Eventbrite. That means you can buy that ticket. You don't have to sign up at the door. You don't have to wait in line. You just have an open mic spot. Uh, the tickets go on sale in four minutes, <laughs> 9.30 after the end of every yop. So that will go on sale, again, in four minutes. If you want to get a reserve open mic ticket, some people are, like, on that at 9.30. So uh, y- if you're like, oh, it'll be good if I wait until 10, you might be surprised. Um, and every op sells out. Uh, le- pretty much every YOP. <laughs> so, again, if you want to get a reserve ticket, I suggest getting a ticket very early. Or if you're like, cool, I can just sign up at the door, that's fine, too. Uh, again, February 12th, the next yop, sure Ehrlichman will be leading that. Uh, one more announcement about the... Fellowship deadline February sorry January twenty eighth. If you're interested in applying for a fellowship, take a workshop for free. Make sure to check out that on our website under workshops. You'll find the fellowships page with a link to Submittable. Early registration deadline February eleventh. That's all I've got. Uh, Be well. Good night. We'll see you in February. Thank you. Okay, there you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yawp open mic for January 8th, 2024, our first yawp of the new year. Thanks to poet Carl Michael Iglesias for leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic with a great set. Carl uh, was our featured book club author this month, in fact he just had his Meet the Author session on January 20th. And he is teaching uh, not only a drop-in class for us this season, but also a uh, two-session workshop. The two-session workshop is called Lost and Found Poetry. And uh, the drop-in, I think, is called In My Feelings, if I am not mistaken. I am literally, you'd think I'd be prepared when I do these podcasts, but I'm not. Uh, I'm looking at our website right now. Yes, it's called In My Feelings Poetry Touch. You can find out more about... Uh, that drop in class and workshop at BrooklynPoets.org, as well as all the other workshops and drop in classes we are offering. The fellowship deadline or the de- deadline to apply for fellowships to take a workshop for free is this Sunday, January 28th, and the early registration deadline is February 11th. Congrats to longtime Brooklyn Poets, Yawper, and member. Michael for Sentes for winning Poem of the Month in February for his hilarious and brilliant poem Blade Runner Jacket. A truly unique poem. One of the most original poems I've ever heard at the Yawp. Very excited that Mike won. Uh, Michael has earned the second spot in our 2024 Yawp Poem of the Year contest, which will come your way in December. Uh, Yeah, so congrats again, Mike. Our next Yawp will be led on the second Monday of the month in February as usual. Uh, February 12th and uh, the one and only Shira Ehrlichman will be back in the fold at Brooklyn Post to lead this job. Shira has been uh, doing amazing things running her own company in surreal life, uh, but uh, is teaching again for Brooklyn Poets this season, this workshop season. I think because uh, she wants to teach in person again, which is a great draw <laughs> about 144 Montague Street. Sure, used to teach a lot of workshops for us back in the day. We're excited to have her back again, February 12th. Sure, will be leading the next YOP. You can get tickets at BrooklynPoets.org. Uh, if you like what you heard, you hope you'd rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars, subscribe, it'll help more listeners find these posts every month. Once again, I am Jason Koo, your MC for this month's Yop, February. uh, Darius Phelps, our new. General Events Manager will be emceeing the off again. I say new, but Darius, of course, has been around, but he has a fancy new title, so uh, you can be there on February 12th to greet him as General and Events Manager. Uh, you'll be in good hands with Darius. Okay, uh, I will see you again soon, or at least I'll see you in, <laughs> in this podcast. I'm not going to see you at all, but uh, I'll be editing this podcast again next month, and I will probably see you at the March off. Okay, that's all, take care.